It's not often we get someone in your position on a show like ours here on Clyde One Super Scoreboard. So kick off by telling me, because you've spoken many times about being a big football fan and you also happen to be the First Minister, how did those two collide? Well, I was taken to my first game by my uh, my late uncle, who's a Celtic fan. First game was uh, Reggie Blinker's debut, and I was hooked. It was the buzz that I got walking to Celtic Park with all these other fans, their scarves on, me with my scarf on, my strip on. Just being part of that kind of community left me absolutely buzzing. So, yeah, no, so just totally hooked from then. Football's given me a lot in life. I mean, I even before I was First Minister, this might not surprise you, when I was Health Secretary and other jobs, I've had quite a fair bit of stress. And I think football's a great outlet when you're either playing or indeed watching. You're kind of thinking of nothing else. If you're anything like me when you watch the football, get animated. And so that's a good stress reliever too. So yeah, football's not just great for entertainment and physical health. It's just extremely enjoyable and a great outlet for me in particular when it comes to all the other stresses of life. Scottish politics and football in Glasgow might be the two most Polarising environments <laughs> Anywhere in the world So what's it like being a first minister Who openly supports one of Glasgow's big two Because come with these challenges at times Because I think people assume that Everything you do is through the lens Of being a Celtic fan And being a Celtic fan And I'm, I'm not going to pretend I'm anything other than that Because what's the point <laughs> Remember I first got into politics said Why don't you just pretend you're a Partick Thistle fan I thought well there's plenty of pictures of me in a Celtic talk Folk know me you know what's the point of pretending Why would I pretend to be something I'm not And plus there's nothing wrong with supporting Rangers Or Celtic or any other club In the country but also You know if I have to criticise something that Celtic have done which I have done in the past Then they're making sure you're absolutely even handed In how you're dealing with all clubs in, in Scotland So there won't be any abuse of power No parliamentary intervention To stop Spurs no. coming and sniffing around Ange Postacoglu I've just asked my entire team to see if there's anything within my first ministerial powers to stop Ange from leaving Celtic, if, of course, the rumours are true. But, uh, no, of course, there's there's nothing I can do. And I, I'd be gutted. I would genuinely, I think he's been a real revelation, not just as a manager and his tactics, but obviously the players he's brought in, we just would never have got Maeda, Hitati, Kyogo, or players I just don't think they would have come to the Scottish Premiership if he hadn't brought them and they've been an absolute revelation for, for Celtic. The main reason we've got you on today though of course is the launch of the Fan Bank Initiative to football fans in layman's terms if you like explain what that is exactly. So Fan Bank Initiative is one I'm really proud of. I've always believed that clubs and the game itself belongs to the fans. The more involvement that we can get from fans the better in any club, regardless of what size. So what the Fan Bank Initiative does is the government will assess a number of bids that will come in and will give a loan to fans, in this case, Falkirk Supporter Society, to increase their involvement or indeed their ownership. So what Falkirk Supporter Society have done, uh, they've got a loan from us, they've been accepted, the first one in the Fan Bank Initiative. That'll increase their shares, so they'll end up owning 25%. And that's great for the club, great for the fans. Falkirk are really community-orientated and rooted club. So the Fan Bank Initiative is there, as I say, to provide funding loans to fans, groups to increase their involvement in ownerships of, of football clubs. Can this money be used for anything within the football club? You can understand why some people might be working through the detail and thinking, hold on, so does public money allow a team to sign a player or, or fund a player? What, what sort of boxes need to be ticked and, and what sort of checks are in place as well to make sure it, it all happens in yeah. an effective manner? 
So it really is about fan ownership. So in the case of Falkirk, for example, they're buying shares with the money that's given. And what I would say to people is this is not money that can be spent on day-to-day resource spending. So it's not day-to-day NHS spending or day-to-day transport. We can give it as a loan, and that's what we do. It's interest-free loan over a number of years, and that's how the money has to be used within quite strict parameters. So it's really about fan involvement and fan ownership of clubs. Just to take you back yesterday, if you don't mind, there's obviously a lot of comments made in the aftermath of Celtic's league title celebrations. In fact, you spoke to our news team commenting that perhaps clubs should be able to take a bit more of a, a role, fit more of the bill in a clean-up operation. I just wondered to sort of come back with the obvious counter-argument from many football fans who maybe wonder if the government could do more? Could, could there be more done to facilitate organised events? I think you look across Europe, I think Benfica was one example. It feels like other countries put these things on for fans and then the, the onus doesn't fall on the clubs. Could, could our government do more? Look, I think that's not, not an unfair question. So I think there's probably something for us to do to work with local authorities and the football clubs. So if we take Celtic and Rangers as kind of obvious examples, I mean, they are, they're not just clubs, they're real institutions in the city. You know, employers, they generate huge amounts of revenue. These are major institutions in our cities. Can we get them working with the local council to potentially facilitate celebrations? Because we know that they're going to happen usually can we facilitate something? But I do think the clubs could probably do a little bit more as well. Could they use their stadiums, for example, for celebrations? I don't know. So let's not let's not make it a kind of us versus them. Let's get the clubs in with local council. National government has a role to play in that. I'm happy, but I think it'd be, be mainly to do with local government and, and, and the clubs sitting down and saying, OK, let's plan out next year. Taking Glasgow as an example, can we get a local authority sitting down with the clubs and just not seeing a repeat of necessarily the scenes that we've seen in the past? Yeah, because is that not the difficulty then? Because the the suggestion of maybe using their own stadium, is it not the case, and I appreciate this might be at a local authority level, is it not the case that clubs have tried for fan zone applications and things like that, and ultimately those end up getting knocked back? I don't think it's an unreasonable question to ask. So there is the questions around fan zones and, and, and can they legitimately... Uh, be used throughout the course of the season. There's also something about kind of one-off. So knowing that there might well be a title celebration or a cup celebration, can we use the stadium in this kind of way? But the, I think the fan zones, again, is for local authorities to make decisions on these matters. Let's recognise that clubs bring a hell of a lot to our city, to our country, uh, football clubs, but certainly Rangers and, and Celtic in particular, they bring a lot to Glasgow. And the city often benefits financially as well as through other means as well from football clubs so let's get us working together as opposed to against each other This maybe links in more to discussions about celebrations and and that sort of thing and and what we can and can't do in stadiums what are we 43 years I think since Scottish football fans have been able to have alcohol inside a stadium I appreciate this might be far off I just wondered if it was something you thought during your time as First Minister you could ever see either changing or with significant progress made? So the reason why I'm not considering it just now and and, and would need a heck of a lot of persuasion to consider is that Scotland's relationship with alcohol is not a healthy one. We have still too much problem drinking. You can see that in our A&Es on any given day, let alone a weekend, but particularly during large events, whether they're festivals or football or anything else that takes place. So we still have too big a problem in terms of our relationship with alcohol. So I think for me, the government, what we're trying to do in the direction of travel, the government actually is trying to reduce alcohol consumption, not make it in one sense less accessible as opposed to more more accessible. 
To try and link various sort of relevant stories If you like Another topic that's constantly in the headlines at the moment Seems to be the use of pyrotechnics at football matches I think you said in March you were open to discussions about exploring that Because there's clearly a desire amongst a lot of fans To use that and enjoy the spectacle Where are you in those discussions to explore options As to how this can be perhaps worked more safely? So look, first and foremost I think pyrotechnics are dangerous I think we've seen incidents in Europe And even if there's a group of fans that want to use pyrotechnics, you could end up with police getting caught up or stewards getting caught up because of the fact that they're stewarding or policing a game. You know, my starting point always is that it'd be better if pyrotechnics were not used in the game because I think they've got the potential to seriously injure. That's been tried for years and years and years, and clearly we still see the use of pyrotechnics. Let's allow the football authorities to work with police and emergency services and others to say, okay, is there another way of dealing with the pyrotechnics issue? I think the discussion should take place. I, at this stage, wouldn't say to you, look, I think this is how it should be dealt with, or this is how it should be dealt with, but I'd be keen that there are discussions that do take place. I like to think we on this show are in a fairly unique situation that we are constantly on the receiving end of how football fans feel every single night, season in, season out. It certainly feels to me, when I stand here, that... And I don't know whether this dates back that Obviously you are very much involved in the Offensive Behaviour at Football Act I don't know if it's any of the issues that we've already discussed in this interview It feels like many football fans have a perception That the government doesn't have their back Is that fair? How would you convince them otherwise? I would say to them, I'm a football fan myself I think it's also that football fans aren't a homogenous group I mean, football fans are a microcosm of our society That's so kind of the problem, have... isn't it? Because sometimes it gets represented as if they are yeah, it does. And if you just take the scenes on the weekend as an example, the vast overwhelming majority of people behave well. You know, many men enjoy, but they behave uh, well. There's just that tiny, tiny, tiny minority that end up kind of either ruining it for everyone or causing disorder. So I think from a government perspective, if I was to reflect, I think it's important not to just kind of tarnish everybody with the same brush, but also really see that fans can bring a lot of benefit to the game. I mean, the game is it doesn't exist without its fans, and that's why the Fans Bank Initiative, I hope, is a recognition of that, of saying, look, not only are we willing to recognise how the immense contribution fans make, we're willing to put our money where our mouth is. You know, in the case of uh, in the case of Falkirk, I mean, over £350,000, and it's a loan, but it's, you know, not an insignificant amount of investment, and that's the first. I think there'll be others that will follow on from Falkirk. The game itself, I actually don't think we're unleashing the potential of football in this country. I think football, if I think of one of my local clubs in my constituency, Pollock United, they are much more than just a football club. I mean, the amount of anti-poverty work they do, the work they do around helping with families that have challenges, they're rooted and they're helping in that community. And I think football is in that, and sport generally, but football is a national game. I don't think we've quite unleashed the full potential of that. So again, so it's a long-winded answer, but I hope those that are listening hear from me as the First Minister that I think football is not just a game that is there for our entertainment, which absolutely it is. It's something that I think we've just not quite unleashed the full potential of. Uh, how important is that for you then in terms of your relatively new role as First Minister? Because I, I, I get it, I acknowledge that some ministers, some politicians might think it, it's just a perception, but perceptions are important and constantly we will have football fans saying they feel like football fans are treated differently or treated like second-class citizens. What practical steps can you take to assure people that that's not the case? I can demonstrate as First Minister and certainly the other ministers in government can demonstrate through our actions that we want to absolutely tap into the good that football brings. At a club level, it's at the national team level, part of the women's game. 
I think there's a lot for us to do, and I hope people will see in the weeks, months, and I hope years to come, as First Minister, they'll see that we'll not just talk the talk, but we'll walk the walk as well in terms of helping to unleash that potential. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't going to be tension. Frankly, there will be times, and if there is disorder, of course, I'm going to call it out. I don't care whether you're, you know, your strip is green or blue or whatever colour. We'll make sure that that's called out, and sometimes there'll have to be tough discussions with football clubs around some unsavoury elements that we see in the game. But by and large, we should also talk up the very good that the, the game brings to our country. And do you know what? It's one of the, we could probably do an hour on that topic and an hour on pyrotechnics yeah. and an hour on fan zone. So I appreciate this is a bit of a whistle-stop tour and we can maybe pick up another time. But to finish where we started as a football fan, got big plans for the cup final this weekend. So I was offered tickets to go to the cup final, but in a move that should get me some serious husband points. I've forfeited it for date night, which I haven't had for quite a while with my wife. So, I mean, if that doesn't get me serious husband points, I don't know what will. I think lots of our listeners will think your priorities are in the wrong order, but I'm sure uh, your (laughs) wife will will disagree. Thanks very much for taking the time. And like I say, hopefully we could do something again in the future on many of these topics and more. Happy to. More than happy to.